Hello, everybody, and welcome to Leadershipping. This is a, a podcast ran by Sifted. It's powered by Sifted's Logistics Intelligence. It's hosted by me, Caleb Nelson. During this podcast, you'll hear directly from industry experts and trailblazers on exactly what it takes to be a leadershipper. Now, let's jump in. Uh, we've got really, at, at this point, one of our, our, our first guests is, I can't think of anybody better, uh, than some of the uh, industry trailblazers that uh, have, have started in Parcel. Some of you may know our first guest from LinkedIn and his many articles with Parcel Magazine. Today, we're honored to welcome the founder of LPF Spend Management, Nate Skyver. Nate, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, really excited to be uh, to be a guest and uh, get to do one of the things I love the most is, is to chat about parcel so. yeah man me, me too i think it's going to be a great conversation between us i think that's one thing that uh we were we, in in prepping for this i was thinking you know what nater and i are going to have fun like yeah, we always, <laughs> how can you i know parcel. it's parcel and we joke about it that it's like uh parcel and fun are kind of an oxymoron together but not for us i think when you're passionate about something and you get to really be able to express um ways in which somebody can make better decisions uh, in something that really matters for them, which is parcel shipping. That's where I think you and I shine. Absolutely. A little bit more background on Nate. Uh, he's a legend in parcel transportation and uh, e-commerce delivery uh, with uh, over 20 years of experience in parcel consulting. Nate is the real deal. Uh, and if you follow him on LinkedIn, you uh, you certainly know the... Um, the importance in, uh, of his content that is being widely shared in the industry. Um, and Nate, for a first time guest on leadershiping, uh, first time for us on this podcast, like I said, I couldn't think of a better guest than you for our first time. Again, I, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, legend might be a bit strong, but I have, uh, you know, I almost think it's kind of like a process of elimination as far as the, the veterans of parcel. We just whittle it down to how many have been doing it for 20 plus years. The list isn't that long. Now I do appreciate, you know, being at the top of the list for this one, but uh, but uh, legend might be a little bit strong, but I'll, I'll take it at this point. Hey, you take it where you can get it. And if somebody calls you a legend and it's a good thing, then take okay. it all day. I, I think really, as I'm speaking to shippers every day, there's very some very specific things that are on their mind at the start of really, the, a new year, right? We, we got done with the announcement of uh, the GRI, which was uh, largest in history that we've seen from both FedEx and from UPS. And magically, they matched the same number uh, at 6.9. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a lot of things kind of in the mix. We, we haven't yet finished out Q1. And there's a lot of talks already on possible recession, um, UPS's uh, labor issues and a possible strike that's coming up this summer. And uh, I would say a lot of uncertainty. I think the top of that list from shippers that I talked to is this strike situation with UPS. How big of a deal is this in your mind? And uh, what are you advising clients to be able to do behind the scenes there? Yeah, I mean, it's um, so I'm not going to, to to make a prediction necessarily as to what I think will happen. I mean, it's it's it would have a huge impact on the market um, just because of the fact that uh, UPS uh, plays such a, a large role overall in the package delivery market. They deliver what, 20 million packages a day or something like that. 
And if there were a complete stoppage, which there's been discussions about continuance of service in some way, things like that, you know, partially, but it would still have a significant impact and it would be disruptive regardless of, of who you are, be it a competitor of UPS or a package shipper, there'll be service delays. Uh, there'll be a cost impact either leading into or coming out of it if it were to happen. So um, saying all that, uh, you know, I don't have you know one answer for, for clients, but I've been, or, or contacts I've been talking with, but I think it's, it's one of those things where the ones of course who are in the best position to start with are the ones who already have multiple carriers in place. Mm -hmm. And so there's already some flexibility there to be able to you know, move some volume to other carriers, existing carriers. It's inherent to the, the, the program if you want to add carriers. But if you are single source with, with UPS, I think it's one of those things to where um, a kind of a knee jerk reaction to go move a lot of volume probably isn't the best move. But it should be a significant enough event or potential event to cause you to rethink your overall parcel sourcing strategy. And so in doing that, if coming out of that it is we should diversify, then that you know, potential event can kind of guide those initial actions and the result should be maybe mitigating some risk. Yeah, and I you know I I think one thing that's really interesting, I couldn't agree with you more on, on diversification. And I, I want to dive into that as we talk about some emergence of some regional carriers that are really um, didn't exist, you know, eight, 10 years ago that are very prominent now. Um, but in, in terms of, of uh, likelihood, I get asked that all the, all the time, like how much of this is saber rattling from uh, the Teamsters? How much of this is, um, uh, you know, a marketing ploy, uh, from FedEx in some ways, like you saw FedEx really hit UPS customers fairly hard recently, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, that was, I think, I forget who, who uh, surfaced that and published it of, uh, you know, FedEx you know, pitching, you know, right? Using that as, yeah. a, as a pitch with uh, UPS customers. Hey, hey, come on over, uh, but do it quick. <laughs> yeah. So do I it think by they the gave end them, of March. Yeah, they gave them a March, uh, March 31st deadline. Everybody knows that that doesn't happen that quickly. Yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I mean, it, it, it's kind of common sense, Not maybe not as a, a full-on pitch, but sure, there's opportunity there for FedEx. Now, on their earnings call last week, they made it a point, I, I think it was in a response to a question about it, but um, to, to say we're not just opening up the, the network and everybody can come on over. They, they at least said they're, they're being selective, and of course, um, however they determine this want you know long-term customers basically not just a, a stopgap which you know um it's interesting how you kind of navigate that uh well you you navigate it through uh or you try to from fedex's standpoint through uh agreement terms yeah yeah that's a, a really interesting and i i would say that they're they're being they're capitalizing on it 100 sure. but to, to your point um if uh, a, a strike happened there is so much volume that's going through UPS's network right now. There is no way that um, any other carrier can pick up uh, all of that volume and right. and be just fine. So it's a really interesting situation. Um, and to your point, I totally agree with you. If you're 100% uh, single sourced with UPS, heck, with any carrier right now, right? You really need to be in the in the mindset of diversification. It it comes to that next question, which is 
you know, your thoughts on the duopoly that acts more like a monopoly of FedEx and UPS in some cases. Um, any shifts that you're noticing uh, there to kind of potentially break up that duopoly? I think there's some really interesting things interesting things happening on the Amazon side right now that's uh, that's kind of unique or, you know, regional carriers. What what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, so there's, there's definitely a lot happening has been in the market the last at least three years or, or longer with, you know, more delivery providers in the market, uh, I guess, more better technology to execute you know, decisions, you know, intelligently about which, which cares to use when, uh, and better data and an intelligence on the, the expense and the perform delivery performance. So all yeah. of those things lend itself to, uh, should at least, you know, shippers having more options and being able to, to really design and, and build a program that isn't just UPS and FedEx with, small pieces of volume elsewhere, which is which is what kind of happens a lot of times because you start with this single sourced or, or all of your volume or almost all of it with one carrier and you look at it as how can I fit things in mm -hmm. instead of looking at it as how, let me design a my program the way I think it should be and then decide which carriers are, are best to, to meet those needs. And so there's been, uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, new delivery providers, regionals have played a more prominent role in the market. Um, all that said, uh, last I checked, which there's not a lot of great data on this holistically, at least. Yeah. Uh, UPS and FedEx still have a pretty good stranglehold in the market uh, yep. from a third party standpoint. And so um, I think it's it actually requires a mindset shift which is not easy from package shippers or more package shippers to be pursuing these solutions that are, are there and not just trying to fit small pieces into the program um there's no shortage of, of options uh so i think be pretty creative and and develop a program that isn't just uh ups or fedex and then small pieces elsewhere yeah and i i think you're you're extremely rare. I think one thing I really uh, respect with you, Nate, is um, you come from the other side of the table, working directly with with shippers with a, as a customer mm -hmm. of yes. FedEx and UPS. You've done this before, where you've diversified and reached a chunk of the United States in a prime-like experience of like a two-day delivery. And if my memory serves me correctly, you didn't do it with five or ten different parcel carriers. We're not talking about diversifying with the substantial amount of parcel carriers. We're talking about being very selective on the partner carriers you bring on and mm -hmm. having a very good game plan and understanding your data so that yep. you can know which, um, how much to give to, to what carrier, which area of the United States are they going to service and what's going to be the biggest bang for your buck. I. I think that's a really interesting call out is oftentimes we get shippers that say, and I, I don't have the bandwidth to take on diversifying and bringing on five parcel carriers in my network right now. And I don't think you need to do that. Yeah. It, it you know, obviously depends on a lot of things around you know, the amount of volume, the, the type of company, whether it's you know, true you know, retail with, with stores and e-commerce. So it can get complex, but also, adding carriers or diversifying your carrier base if if you're very specific about the role that a carrier or provider will 
will play, be it you know, geography, um, I mean, all kinds of, of you know, things kind of fit into this, you know, package size, weight, um, then you can really design a solution as opposed to just kind of um, taking a swipe at it and saying, I'm going to add five or six carriers. I'm going to kind of go the other direction and add as many as I, I can to try to make sure I have enough options. Yeah. Like you said, there's, there's plenty of data to inform decisions ahead of time. There's data to then allow you to adjust along the way. It's not a, a like a, a once, even a once a year type event. It's a continual process. It yep. doesn't mean you change things all the time, but you know, managing and monitoring say the changes you did make, I and mean, just like any other type of project, to see if the results are what you expected. If they're not, there's plenty of data to tell you should, to tell you why, and then you can continue to make changes. And, and so I think that's where, um, again, the, the post, you know, the data on the expense, uh, delivery performance, incredibly critical, and then technology to execute multi-carrier yeah. is, I mean, uh, far better than it was even five years ago, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, there's there's been an emergence, and I would say uh, COVID's been a, a really big help for that. Mm -hmm. In a lot of technology that uh, did not exist five years ago, that is very prevalent today. You have a lot more options. Um, I, I'm curious, what when you're talking to, to to shippers, to to customers of FedEx and UPS, and you're you're talking about diversification, what stands in their way? What's what's one of the biggest issues? that you're seeing that that's facing them? Is it on the technology side as far as, hey, look, I only create shipments and labels through UPS WorldShip. And, uh, you know, I'm siloed based upon um, where I can actually perform those label creation and or decision of which carrier gets what. What's what's the bottleneck there? What's holding people back from diversifying? Well, that's a long list, uh, but uh, I would agree. So te technology, even despite the fact there are, are some very good solutions in the market, and I think access to them. Technology is still a challenge, and it's not, I mean, this isn't new, because if you don't have the right technology in place, then you have to go justify getting it. And, yeah. and you know, it's the kind of even old school, like, you know, put the business case together, show the ROI, which is, you do need to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I can at least speak from several years ago experience that, it it's always like how much money is this going to save us this has to well you know exceed the the payback has to be super short and it, it's almost unrealistic sometimes uh yep. the, the expectations that are placed on a multi-carrier shipping solution to uh to generate this value even though it can happen so i one i think is it's a can be a large undertaking within an organization so honestly that actually stops it before it gets started sometimes um, now the other ones, I mean, you, you know, as, as well as that than I do, um, UPS and FedEx contracts, uh, they, they do an amazing job of through revenue commitments, if, uh, termination language and penalties, you name it, you know, other things as well around pricing to make it difficult. It's, it's challenging. It's definitely not impossible. And I think that actually is, that's one, if it's, if it's not number one, it's one A. Yeah, one of the, the biggest reasons. Um, yeah, not as legitimate. Sometimes it's more perception, I think, than reality. Yeah, I think I think the perception is totally. Um, your your comment about it being more perception is is spot on. I think 
um, they oftentimes get spooked. Shippers out there, customers of FedEx and UPS get spooked by their carrier reps even some, sometimes sure. about pulling some of that business away or diversifying that. When in reality, it's a math problem. That's kind of how we mm -hmm. see it sifted is, look, this is a giant math problem. And some individual contracts just create a more challenging, more complex math problem than others. And understanding how much you can peel off because you cannot totally replace the FedEx or UPS today, mm -hmm. but how much can you peel away without decimating that, that, that agreement, the pricing agreement with FedEx and UPS and still making, I would say the biggest bang for your buck and um, uh, mitigating that risk. Right. And I think mit cost mitigation um, is not the same thing as cost reduction, right? Mm -hmm. you, you are um, miti mitigating that risk in, in hopes that you do not need to pay more later on. And right. um, that often doesn't come out as a 3X or 4X ROI. So shippers kind of need to go into it with a different mindset of um, this is much more about the stabilization of my business, reaching mm -hmm. my clients, and, and really controlling that client experience um, and avoiding future pain. There's a lot yes. of shippers I talked to that was, you know, around Q4. It was, I'm getting capped. Um, mm -hmm. You know, FedEx is only telling me I can provide them with X number of shipments. Otherwise, I'll be a pen, on, a, on a penalty status or mm -hmm. whatever that is. I think that there's a, a, a very good use case for shippers to say, this is worth looking at this, not just from a how much can I save standpoint. Yes. And so that's the... Uh, that, that last statement about how much can I save? So I have, you know, I have clients who are, are package shippers and uh, I have clients who are carriers. So mm -hmm. I, I advise carriers as well. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I was a customer of, of carriers for 17 years, so yeah. I can help them position, you know, solutions and, and things like that with, with uh, retailers. And on, on both sides, <laughs> I think uh, if you focus on cost, regardless of what the objective is, if you focus on cost first, Usually that is from the shipper side, reducing cost. You're not going to get away from that thought. Like if you go in with that objective or that is what you lead with, everything else is secondary. Shouldn't be maybe, but it is. And you always end up just focusing on the, the expense reduction in this case. So I completely agree. And like one of the things that I, way I choose to look at it is, so let's say that you, you do, have an opportunity to diversify, um, provide you know, better service in certain areas, uh, maybe some flexibility, you know, risk mitigation operationally, whatever it is. And that actually results in a slight total program cost increase. No, most companies wouldn't even bother to think about that. Yeah. But I see that as an investment in making your program program very specific to what you and your customers need, not just um, you know, can I offset some of the, the increase if there is one uh, with UPS and FedEx with alternative carriers? That'd be great, but you can't always do that. And as soon as that number doesn't, you know, see a five plus percent reduction or whatever the, the objective is, yeah. everybody just stops thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think is a big mistake. I, I do too. I, I also see, you know, I, it's just the way uh, of, uh, there's been a major sea change in the way that business is being done in the parcel industry from clients even negotiating with FedEx and UPS of the old adage of give me what I want or I'm going to pull my business. 
Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, it just doesn't work the same anymore. And so approaching it in different ways and having a more open mindset of understanding, I got to look at my data. I've got to be more, I would say more informed than I probably ever have before. Mm -hmm. I have to um, work with my partner carriers in an unemotional state that uh, really is backed by um, data and logic that requires me to make a move in this way because I need to do X mm -hmm. in, in order to benefit my organization. And it, it goes to that mindset of cost mitigation versus cost reduction. And uh, I think it's a very interesting standpoint. Um, I think what we've probably seen, I'm sure you can see this too, that those parcel um, customers of FedEx and UPS are slower to change in some cases. Sure. You know, they've been doing it the same way for a long time. and I've been one of them before. <laughs> uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's interesting because that so that just concept of what we just talked about of, of diversification and and not getting hung up really on the um, entirely on the revenue commitments and the impact of, of you know maybe some discount changes. It's interesting though because you know this environment now from a pricing standpoint and just that's the market in parcel. So two years ago, yeah, well three years ago, sure. Uh, yeah, I can understand some hesitation to open up the contract and things like that because you know, left and right, UPS and FedEx, uh, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was an increase sometimes regardless of, of the, the revenue that was moved or, or retained. Uh, that's not the case right now. They actually need volume and revenue. Yep. Um, and so uh, that revenue is, is more valuable. I mean, depends on you know, the, the profile of packages, but but it is. Um, and so interestingly, thinking about making those changes from a, a package shipper standpoint, now actually UPS and FedEx, I mean, if you actually engage them, they may be making some concessions now too. And so you have a, uh, I guess a more difficult decision sometimes with your diversification because now you're actually weighing it against maybe a, a slight reduction yep. against UPS and FedEx. Uh, not the case two or three years ago. No, and I, I think I think the the name of the game um, really is is walking that fine line between having a flexible program. Mm -hmm. I think flexibility of COVID's really taught shippers that they need to have a flexible program. And what I mean by that is they need to be diversified. They need to be able to um, uh, jump to another carrier if they need to, or shift things around, and not be behind the eight ball where it takes them six to seven months to bring on another carrier. Mm -hmm. Um, and they need to be able to be nimble enough from a technology standpoint to adapt to some of those changes. Yep. Um, and there is a 100% a value that comes with that flexibility. Um, and it, mm -hmm. right now, the, the pendulum is swinging in favor of shippers. Um, a lot of shippers know that. But without them doing something about it, it's not going to just automatically go to their favor anyways. They've got to act true. on it. We talked about FedEx and UPS um, getting very creative. And I think this was touched on uh, with dynamic pricing that FedEx mentioned on their earnings release call. Um, but the ever-present subject of fees, accessorial charges, mm -hmm. we've seen some significant increases from FedEx and UPS. If you look at it, you know, post-COVID, pre-COVID, and you kind of measure that gap, some of those increases are up 30%. Mm -hmm. 
on a number of those accessorial charges. I'm I'm interested to to see you know what what changes need to be put in place for businesses right now in order for them to survive some of those substantial increases because not every shipper out there is shipping socks in a nice you know five by five by five inch box mm -hmm. some of the yeah. products just are oversized and they're going right. to be considered ugly freight for fedex and ups how do those shippers really kind of navigate through this and survive well i mean it's it's difficult and and so both of us have probably mentioned this a couple of, in a couple of different ways so so again this one is is also i think uh, where very very good data you know visibility into data actionable data insights to make decisions about it's because really the the, the physical you know, kind of profile of the packages and then some maybe some are also behaviors if you have you know, third parties involved things like that but that's what creates that's why there are accessorial charges it's it's to uh, for fedex and ups to address somewhat uh, you know a variance or, or some you know cost and, and then some in their network and so uh having visibility into what's driving those accessorial charges is the i mean that's table stakes you, you you have to understand that before you know what you can or can't do about it um and i think so there's there's part of it you start there and then of course if it is with the ups or, or, or fedex part of that can be I mean, addressed through you know, negotiation or if you have a contract that's coming up uh obviously competitive situation to bid it is is much more effective um and, and then alternatives it just depends so um delivery area surcharges uh, that that's been a, a fun one just yeah, yeah. every year it, it you know of course the the surcharges themselves go up you know, eight to ten percent or so depending it might be a little bit more than that uh the zip code list uh, doesn't always grow, but it changes for sure. Yeah, and then a remote area, I mean, that's, you know, super, super DAF. Remote area surcharge is uh, 13, 1325. Um, and so if it's lightweight, then you've got options. You do have options with a, a postal work share carrier. Yeah. But if it's not, you, you really don't. If it's oversized, like you mentioned, big and bulky, depending on the, the weight and the size, there's plenty of regional carriers who either have the same types of fees or even though they discount them or they they Simply won't take it. take it yeah and 65 pounds yeah mm, uh, sorry sorry tough luck and so there you do have limited options yeah uh, but um if you have the network maybe that aligns with you know there's some final mile carriers who are a little bit more flexible on package size as long as it's not you know 65 pounds but the bulky part uh, they'll actually deliver that, you know, based on kind of like flat fee tiers. So there is, there's options, but you, you have to start uh, digging into, to those, uh, potential options. It first starts with knowing, <laughs> knowing where to look to begin with, uh, as yeah. far as understanding costs. I totally uh, agree. I think, you, you know, you and I speak that same data language, that data and somebody's parcel data is really the language in which the carriers speak. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking to identify ways to either reduce cost, improve, you know, your client experience or cost mitigation, like we talked about, you've got to, you have to understand that data. Like there, it's not a, it's not an option. It, I, I think 
you know, 10 years ago, you could get away with some of that stuff because it wasn't changing as frequently as it is. Mm -hmm. But the carriers have gotten so good at getting creative on changing some of that logic around. Sure. And it's not necessarily that this costs, this fee used to cost this and now it costs this. It's in a lot of cases, like you touched on, the logic in which that fee gets triggered. Mm -hmm. So there's some interesting items there. I think the one thing is, as you know, when we go through and analyze something we're, we do or we're built to do every day um, is analyze uh, a new shipper's data set. The idea that there is self-inflicted pain that's happening on their own business that they're not even aware of mm -hmm. because it's hidden on line items on a, a really long UPS or FedEx invoice. Absolutely. By showcasing some of that, I think that there are some more creative ways that clients can be able to reduce their cost um, outside of the traditional, you know, I need to open up a negotiation or sure. I need to do a full RFP. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a, a couple of things that go with that. So one, and I guess this would be kind of during a negotiation or an RFP, but is to make sure, assuming you're not single sourced, because then you do have, I mean, you know, limitations or if you choose to do that, but is that you're, is that to make sure you're getting the proper value for the attractive package volume. So not just, you know, the ones that have accessorials that are you know, driving up the cost, but making sure that you're really in, because especially in this market, um, the, the slightly, you know, the dense packages, mm -hmm. residential, not that great, but you know, commercial, or dense you know, residential delivery areas, um, you need to make sure you're, you're really driving value if you are working with UPS and FedEx or others through that volume as well. And you know, if you're not able to address all of the other you know, surcharges and areas that are impacting your cost, at the very least, you're getting the most value you can for the volume that you should get really strong rates for. Um, yep. I mean, that's, that's one thing. And I think the other is, um, you mentioned the dynamic pricing. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, now, I mean, absolutely the, the invoice data and, and the contract and rate like analysis is, is central. A multi-care shipping solution, if there, I think there are a couple at least that, that can help manage like revenue thresholds, mm -hmm. um, which is, is needed. That topic though is it's interesting because, you know, FedEx announced actually last June uh, what they called dynamic pricing said the first you know release of it will be in August, which was their announcement of <laughs> it's holiday peak season surcharges, uh, which is which is a weekly change, right? A weekly yeah. uh, measurement of the volume over threshold, things like that. It's super complicated. Yeah, I mean that's I guess quasi dynamic. It's it's weekly. I expected FedEx actually to continue with some form of that uh, post January, and they haven't. Um, now they said that they they did extract an, an incremental 150 million dollars yeah, in margin. Crazy. Yeah, in, dur just during I guess the fourth holiday period, or it was there yeah. uh, November, December, January. Um, and so UPS though did continue um, residential uh, demand surcharges, which is ironic. Uh, and theirs isn't quite as, as I guess, dynamic, and but it's still you know similar principle of measuring it over baseline. And this was just real quick. One of the I posted about this. 
we've talked about revenue loss, uh, discount loss rather, mm -hmm. in an agreement because of revenue. Well, then of course, with demand surcharges, if you go above a certain threshold during a period of time, you have surcharges on the top end. Yeah. So if you drop too far below, you're penalized. If you go too high, you're, you're, you're penalized. If you're right in the middle, I guess that's good. I don't know. You, you don't get penalized. I, I, so yeah. either, either way, that's a win-win-win for UPS. Oh man, they yeah. They're higher guaranteed. revenue per piece if you read yeah. discounts. Higher revenue per piece if you get a surcharge, and yep. very predictable volume and revenue if you're right in the middle. Yeah. So UPS loves it. Yeah, they do. It's one of those things that I, I think most shippers, um, the the way that the carriers are doing, what I mean, carriers FedEx and UPS are doing business today looks totally different than when it did 10 years ago, five mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and I think what that means is that shippers, um, you know, I think uh, to kind of recap that, I think most shippers need to have a different approach to how they uh, monitor, how they uh, identify the way that they even communicate to FedEx and to UPS. Um, it, it is is different because the carriers are doing different business uh, today than, than they ever have been before. And in some ways, especially on the fee standpoint, this is like a, 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 the analogy of the frog in the pot. Um, it, it, that temperature gets slowly risen over time. That, that frog does not feel that temperature mm -hmm. uh, and start to boil them. And I think it's very interesting that the, those shippers that I see really succeeding in, in, in parcel right now are those ones that are most flexible, most open-minded, most dynamic in how they approach it. It's yeah. kind of an interesting. Step. You have some level of influence over it, right? I mean, yeah. that's what um, being, I guess, subject to, beholden to, whatever you want to say, um, accessorial charges, those are variable, dynamic, if you want to use that you know, term, for a purpose, for UPS and FedEx, not just to cover their costs, but to, to make sure that they can adjust if they choose to um, cover their costs and then some. But they also, generally speaking, with many of them, can change the, the criteria as to how they apply. Yeah. And they can do that broadly speaking. They can announce a change. And then if customers weren't kind of given a heads up, which you know, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, not. Uh, <laughs> then you go negotiate. You go yeah. negotiate. Well, that doesn't, that shouldn't apply to me. And if it's a criteria change, maybe you get a, you know, kind of a, a bit of a, a stay there. You get a, few months but if it's a, a change on the, the actual rate um, you're negotiating down from an increase you're going to lose yeah it's a fun position it, to be in. exactly and so that's the the point about your you know having the flexibility that enables some level of influence and control yep. whereas surcharges in the way that fedex and ups structure everything in an agreement um, you have very very little within your control yeah I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, uh, parting comments or advice. If you were to give any kind of bullet point advice to shippers that are listening right now on what they need to prepare for, what they need to do, I'm, 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 I know we touched on it all, but what would be your advice kind of summed up to, to shippers today? Yeah, I mean, I would say, so it's going to kind of restate some of what we talked about, but um, if, you know, if a shipper doesn't already have a solution and a partner in place 
on you know parcel you know, parcel spend management data analytics that that is the best starting point and um and understanding where the the, the expenses but also a lot of those partners can help you understand your contracts yeah. to begin with which is in and of itself an undertaking starting there to then determine what opportunities are there not just cost reduction but but actually um, opportunities to you know mitigate you know operational risk contractual risk um, enabling flexibility starting there with that analysis I think is what you know, you have to do now if it's a exercise for this year better get started now on that part yeah. because if you're going to make any changes you need to start that process i mean uh as soon as you can in q2 uh realistically to be able to get it ahead of peak so i think start there um very generically i'm going to say have an open mind yeah uh, uh it, it sounds kind of uh, very very uh general but sometimes oftentimes actually um, package shippers, retailers, I was one of them for a long time, don't kind of have a predetermined, you know, uh, result they're looking for. Uh, don't, don't get locked into that. Uh, try to, to, to start with your data, uh, determine where you have opportunities and then figure out how to solve them. I, I think that's awesome. I think, uh, we, we often use the, the, you know, the term let's fish where the fish are. And yeah. oftentimes shippers do not know where the fish are to even go fishing first. And I think identifying it by utilizing a data analytics company is a, is a, is a great start. The, the floor is yours, Nate. Where can people reach you and um, interact with you to learn more about you and your, and your company? Well, honestly, the, the best way is, is probably to, to follow me on LinkedIn, message, message me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, can you know, find out more about LPF spin management at lpspinmanagement.com uh, uh, but uh, LinkedIn is is probably the the, the best one uh, give give me a follow if you care about parcel at all want to hear you know what's going on in the industry sometimes a little bit of humor along with it then uh, and I that's what I try to provide so hey any any Ron Burgundy quotes um, win me over so keep keep going with those posts and if you I will if anybody is is listening to this and hasn't followed Nate are you living under a rock because Nate is prevalent on that and provides some significantly valuable content um, in an ever-changing world so thank you Nate thank you for being on the show really appreciate it and uh, looking for forward to interacting with you a little bit more as uh, 2023 progresses great thanks Caleb thank you Thank you so much for joining us for this leadershiping podcast hosted by Sifted. Episodes on the horizon include sustainability and parcel shipping with Kevin Morellas, Chief Sustainability Officer at Delivered. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to listen to it more, interact with us, like, subscribe, uh, make sure that you've got notifications turned on so that when we release a new episode, uh, you can follow along with us. Thank you so much and look forward to seeing you on the next one.